welcome to Crime Wave, a podcast featuring mystery, thriller, and suspense writers and the stories behind their stories. Crime Wave is part of the Authors on the Air radio network with over 4 million listeners worldwide. I'm your host, Bonner Spring, and my guest today is James Latoile. James uses his 29 years behind bars, I love that intro, as an influence on his award-winning novels, short stories, and screenplays. He's a former associate warden at a maximum security prison, a hostage negotiator, and director of California State Parole System. His novels have been shortlisted or awarded the lefty Anthony Silver Falchian and the Public Safety Writers Award. Face of Greed, which we're going to be talking about today, is his most recent novel. So welcome to Crime Wave, James. Thanks so much, Bonner. It's good to, talk, to have a chance to talk with you again. Well, I'm really glad to see you now. Um, I'm intrigued by the, uh, the, by the, by the new uh, series. You wrote um, several yeah. uh, very well-received standalones, and you have your earlier um, Nathan Parker series, and then one with Detective right. Pen Penley, am I right? Yeah. Yeah, now with Penley, Face of right? Greed. Yeah, yeah. So you're introducing um, uh, a brand new series with a brand new main character, Detective Emily Hunter of the Sacramento Police. So how about if we start out today by your setting up who Emily Hunter is, you know, who she is, um, what are her families like, her jobs, the challenges in her life? Sure. No, Emily is... Uh... As you mentioned, she's a detective with the Sacramento Police Department, and I, I, she's just a blast to write. She's a little snarky, a little sarcastic, kind of pushes boundaries a little bit. Uh, and part of that is, you know, she's a woman in a very male-dominated profession, you know, a law enforcement agency. So she's she's always kind of pushing to get what other officers just naturally get. You know, she has to work kind of twice as hard to get the same recognition that her male counterparts do. But she hasn't let that, you know, jade her. Uh, she kind of takes it, and she got really kind of uses that as a strength. Um, but she's uh, she's a detective. She's one of the, the the ones that the top brass count on to to follow through with the tough investigations, and that's kind of why she's been drawn into this particular crime in in Face mm -hmm. of Greed. But she's yeah. Uh, so yeah. So in, in Face yeah. of Greed. Um, What's the the crime that she's uh, tasked with solving? Yeah, she and her partner Javier Medina are called to the scene of a of a home invasion, and it's gone horribly wrong. The homeowner's been murdered, the wife has been battered. Uh, right as soon as she arrives, Emily notices this isn't like any normal crimes. The mayor is there, the chief of police is there, the victim is this politically connected power broker in the city. Uh, so she knows there's more to this crime than is uh, led to believe. Yeah. Um, I have read that the inspiration for this story was based on your first case that you pursued. Now, you were pol you were a Sacramento police officer at that point? Actually, this case, I worked as a, as a probation officer. I was doing oh, the pre-sentence okay. reports. Yeah, but it was one of the first murder cases that I was involved with. And okay. it was a home invasion. Uh, in my in my community, and three gangsters broke into a home of a real estate developer, and they thought because he was in real estate, he would have just buckets of cash around the house. Uh, so they broke in, held the family hostage, and they ended up shooting the the homeowner in front of his family. 
um, they didn't find the money that they were looking for. So they, they scurried up and they were quickly, quickly caught um, and gang members being who they are. Uh, they quickly turned on each other and started telling their versions of some fantasy that, you know, why they went to this house to, to, to perpetrate this, this murder. Uh, yeah. They blamed the victim for being a drug dealer that somehow owed them money like that justified killing them. Um, but yeah, it, it quickly broke apart. The jury didn't believe them. Uh, we got a death penalty on the shooter and long prison terms on the, on the other two that were in the house. But that crime kind of stuck with me over the years. And it made me, you know, when I started to write Face of Greed, you know, look at that crime and, and use it as kind of the underpinning uh, for the story and, and wonder what if there was more to that victim than we were led to believe and what really happened in that home. Uh, before that murder happened, and that's kind of what what springs us into face of grief. That's that is that's a great story. I have only to guess that in your twenty what is it was it twenty nine years behind bars yeah. that you've got a thousand stories that you. <laughs> I mean, I can't I can't be the only person who's like driven down a wooded road. I'm not I, I'm not a police officer and think. Uh, this would be, there are no cameras around here. This would be a great place to stash a dead body, right? <laughs> but I mean, think yeah. of all the stories you've got from um, from 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 your years. Um, okay, so actually, let's sort of segue into a a, a real compliment that I have for you—a very serious compliment I have oh. for you in your writing. As I said, take all the time I'm you not need. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you, dear. Well, I'm not a police officer, James, and nor have I ever played one on TV, but I read a lot of police procedurals in addition to a lot of the other mysteries and crime stories um, that I read. Your descriptions are, a a, a spe I'm specifically thinking of police procedure and how things unroll was so crisp. It provided a lot of detail, but, but at the same time, you kept the story moving along. That's part of why at the uh, earlier in this in in this in episode, I mentioned that I, I assumed that you were a Sacramento police officer when you heard this story, not part of the penal system, because right. you do the police procedure so well. Okay, so take it in two parts. How do you do your research? Okay, and the second part is how do you um, how do you keep the story going when you when you have to have to do so many specific things? Can you deal with that? Yeah, and th and thank you for that. That 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 is a huge compliment, and it's something I I try to do when I'm putting a, a crime story together like this. Um, yeah, I wasn't a, a police officer, but I've been involved in so many different aspects of the criminal justice system, you know, probation, parole, uh, in the prison system, and one of the jobs I had with with uh, parole was working with local law enforcement. We would have parolee impact teams of, of street cops and parole agents. And, you know, we'd send those folks out on the street. So I got to see a lot of the inside uh, mechanisms and how the systems work. But I, I think one of the things that when I read a story and it's kind of a police procedural thing that's based, I like a story that tells me what's going on, but doesn't bog me down in the details and the forensic stuff. And you know, you touch on it, but I want to know more about that. I want to know the story. So the story to me is kind of the thing that I want to make sure keeps moving along. And that's what I want the readers to focus on rather than, you know, all the other procedural details, which quite frankly, in, in real cop life can bore the bark off a tree. I mean, nobody wants to read that stuff. 
So, right. you know, I'd, I'd um, rather people get yeah. to the story. Well, you you do, you get to the story and, and I will maybe just amplify it very briefly to say, you can tell folks that are intimately familiar with the police system, there are a lot of ex-cops writing mysteries, you know, yep. um, and they do tend, a, a lot of times they do tend to get down, bogged down in it, but you can always tell the amateur like me, because I would screw everything up basically. <laughs> so anyhow, um, you mentioned, we started out talking about Detective Emily Hunter and you've written yeah. over the years um, some some really smart, well-rounded female characters. Um, but I think this is the first time you've used uh, a female as the lead, is that correct? Yeah, it really is the first female lead other than you know a standalone. Um, in Black Label, we had Jillian Cooper. She was a, a pharmaceutical right. exec. But in terms of a of a cop lead character, yeah, Emily is 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 going to be the first there. And I, I wanted her to write her because just having a, a female uh, lead, a detective in a in a law enforcement agency, she's got even more obstacles to overcome and push back against the system. And I think it makes her a little bit more interesting in how she approaches the job. Um, right. You know, contrasting right. against what her male counterparts do. Right. You used um, one of my one of my son's favorite words, snarky, um, early early okay. on, yeah. and that is yeah. absolutely the perfect word to describe how Emily uh, Emily reaches her life. Now, she's got a lot of um, there are a lot of really interesting relationships going on. Okay, you've yeah. got Emily, sort of I call her the nexus from which everything else rotates, but you've got her and her partner Javier. Okay, right. And how does that work? Yeah. Yeah, they've got uh, they've got a great relationship, and even though Javier has more time on the department, uh, he has less time in grade as a detective. So Emily takes on that lead detective role and is kind of uh, serving as his mentor, bringing him up as an investigator. Uh, but again, he he doesn't resent her for that. Uh, he just kind of folds into it, and they develop a real trusting relationship and one that's. Uh, it kind of fun to write because they do have a lot of banter going back and forth. That's, uh, uh, you know, there's, there's some humor wrapped in it, but uh, it's, it's cop humor. And, and that's often found when you deal with traumatic situations uh, on the street, you kind of infuse it with humor. And part of it is just insulation to keep you as an officer, you know, separate from that trauma that you're experiencing. So they use a lot of that, but uh, no, they're, they're fun to write. And I think they build, uh, they usually start each other's strengths to, to make a better team. Yeah, that that's good. I do think that having a, a great set of um, regulars in a, in a in a series is is, is a really is yeah. a really important thing. The other main relationship I wanted to particularly ask about, um, which goes more to Emily's personal life, is um, right. her relationship and the challenges she's facing with her mother. Yeah. Um, in addition to, to this high pressure investigation and this tough job that Emily has, she has to try to balance that aspect of her life with acting as a caregiver for her mom. Her, her mom is, you know, in her early seventies, but she's got dementia and early onset Alzheimer's. You know, Emily had to have mom move into the house, you know, a few months before the, the story opens just because, you know, she can't live safely on her own. She almost burnt the house down, leaving the oven on. And now Emily has to kind of take care of her. And it, it's something that, that I've experienced, you know, with, with my mom in terms of, you know, dementia mm -hmm. and, and in her late, in her latter years, 
Um, and I see so many people with aged parents now that are dealing with that kind of a situation. And I thought it might be a good thing to kind of fold into the story because it's, it's a hard balance to, to make with acting as a caregiver for, for your mom um, and then doing the job as a police detective on this, this high pressure right. investigation. Right. Right. Two very different sorts of pressures on her life. Um, actually, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump just a little bit ahead because um, I, I spoke with Matt Coyle a while back about his long running series. And um, yeah. when we were talking, I mentioned I'd heard someone at some time at some conference say about writing a good series that a good I'm going to bastardize the quote just a little bit. It was something like a good series book ending ends with the door opening not a door closing. Okay, and for those of you who are listening and audio only, we're both shaking our heads to that. Yeah, do you have any thoughts about that specifically, Jim? Or you uh, do you want to just um, you know uh, let me have the last word? Yeah, I think it it because um, when I when I wrote Face of Greed, I, I was writing it as a as a standalone until I was about two thirds of the way through. And then I realized. Okay, you, I'm sorry. To, wait, you have to stop there. My mouth is just like going open. Yeah. Wow, I did not know that. Excellent. I'm yeah, sorry. I, it was, I was writing it. No, it, it, thanks. I, I was writing it as a standalone, and uh, because there was this one story with this one home invasion that I wanted to kind of explore. But as I got to know Emmy, and her background and her her kind of relationship with Javier and others in her orbit, there was much more I wanted to know about her. And her story and and that kind of thing. So it, by the time I finished the book, um, knew there, I knew we were going for for more in in the series, and, and we do have well, another one coming out next year. That's it's really exciting. That brings me back. This we're going to cycle back around to. So the relationships, um, you've got Emily and her mom, Emily and her partner Javier, and then right. there's the rest of the law enforcement community that she's got right. relationships with. And that seems like there's so many places you can play off of that. It just sounds like it would be great. Yeah, I, you know, one thing that's kind of unique about, um, I think all branches of law enforcement in their relationships, they tend to be very insular. You know, they kind of stay to their own um, because it's, it's hard. To t you can't go to a PTA meeting and say, hey, guess how many bodies I picked up the street. You know, it's it's just a different world. And yeah. other people on the outside don't understand that. Um, but, you know, inside the inside the tent, so to speak, you know, we all kind of understand that. And it's it's an easy way for us to kind of, you know, share our, our shared trauma and that kind of thing. Hi, Emma. My doggy just came up. Um, but yeah, it's it's kind of a easy thing to do. So once Emily kind of ventures out of that, you know, she's, she's outside of her comfort zone too. And it's kind of why she's had double getting relationships, you know, in her personal life going on. Um, and she finds, you know, in, in face of greed, we kind of t hold a little relationship out to her that, you know, she might have with, uh, with an officer, uh, Brian Connor in the, in the book. That's your little door opening, okay? And we've got a few yeah. or other doors that I notice are opening. It's just so, it's so perfect. Now I understand that in the series book, what you've done is you've um, you've solved the mystery by the end. Everybody just he doesn't leave you hanging. He solves the mystery. Right. Uh, Emily, excuse me, Emily solves the mystery. There's nothing left right. hanging. But I I was um, 
or what's the right adjective for me to use here? Um, I was th thrilled. I'm not sure that's the right word to say with the relationships between your antagonists. You had some great antagonists. I know we're not oh, going to talk about the ending. Right, right. Who who are some of these people that you get involved with here? This yeah, it I really mean, makes the story because awesome. Because it, it does, and it makes some unlikely kind of um, bedfellows, I guess you could you could say. But yeah, we've got the dead guy who was this politically connected power broker, and his secrets went all throughout the city. So you can kind of get a sense that there's a control for the for what he knew and secrets that he had, and who wants to control those. I mean, and first in line is you know the mayor. And all of his secrets, and then there's the the place the place where the uh, the dead man worked, Townsend's uh, business, and their venture capital stuff that was going on, and then we have the the, the newly uh, freshly made widow who has her own interests in this thing, and she has her own secrets that she doesn't want to let out. So yeah, Emily kind of bumps against those people, and it kind of unfolds in a way that. I thought it was kind of fun, and you have some kind of unlikely suspects and some, some people that kind of just, you know, the title says it's the face of greed. So you know, how much is enough? You know, and what? When do you know when when to stay 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 quiet and be happy with yeah. what you have? Yeah, yeah. What he said, just yeah, a lot of really interesting and unusual suspects. So, and I hope you enjoy the book. Now, you've got, according to your bio two new books coming out in this coming year yeah um, yeah it's been uh, it's been busy about yeah i guess sure. so i mean you've had quite a 2023 so what does 2024 look like for you yeah yeah it's uh it's been a whirlwind that's for sure I, it's uh it's been fun uh had had some good times with it but yeah 2024 looks like it's off to the off to the races we've got uh, later in the year we have uh, the sequel to Face of Greed coming out, and that's called River of Lies. And River of Lies is also, you know, Sacramento-based with Emily and Javier. And we have, um, if you're familiar with Sacramento, it, it has a huge homeless issue, homeless problem. And there are homeless camps along the rivers, uh, the American and Sacramento rivers in the city, and someone is burning the river, those, those uh, camps down and chasing the homeless out. Wow. And in the mm -hmm. process of that, you know, people get hurt, people die. Um, so Emily soon finds out that even the homeless have something that somebody wants. So how far are they willing to go to get it is, is the question. And she discovers kind of a very unlikely victim and an even more improbable suspect um, as the investigation rolls out on that one. Ah. Okay, guys, that's a really good teaser. <laughs> I love it. Okay. And Served Cold? What's Served Cold going to be about? Yeah, Served Cold. Yeah, Served Cold is the uh, third book in the Detective uh, Nathan Parker series. This is the one that's set okay. in the desert southwest in Arizona. It's the follow-up from A Dead Drop and Devil Within. Mm -hmm. And in this one, um, Nathan Parker is ser still searching for the man who killed his partner, um, the coyote who came up over the border and killed his partner. And he gets very, very close to the to, finding Esteban Castaneda and bringing him him to justice. And uh, he's got a, a, if you're familiar with the series at all, there, there's some people in his orbit, like Billy Carson, who's a reformed uh, trafficker, ex-cartel coyote, 
Um, again, a, a very quirky character, but uh, she takes on much more of a, a strong role in this one. And we learn more about her background and what got her involved in, in working with the cartel and smuggling and that kind of stuff. And she gets trapped uh, down in, in Mexico and Nathan has to go rescue her this time. That sounds very cool as well. Thank you for letting us know. Now, before we go off the Thank air, you. can you tell our listeners um, where they can find you online? And I guess if you're going to be doing any uh, live events uh, over the course of the next couple of months, you could mention those as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. You can find me at uh, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram and uh, threads, I guess. Um, you can find me at author James Latwell on Instagram and uh, Facebook and just James Latwell on Twitter. And uh, in terms of uh, events coming up, uh, a couple of local events there, we have a bookstore in Woodland that, that uh, Claire Booth, uh, a local author and I are gonna be teaming up at that one, Woodland at the Pleasant Pheasant Bookstore. Uh, then we're gonna be doing something else at the, uh, the Sun City Lincoln uh, Book Clubs are, are getting together and it's uh, you always do a good a good thing there. I'll be at the Tucson Festival of Books in uh, in March uh, as an author there, and then uh, right on the heels of that is Left Coast Crime. So yeah, it's going uh, the year starting off with a bang. So it's it's going to be that's, fun. that's wonderful. Thank you so much, and really thanks for coming by to chat today, James. And I I, I I'm delighted I had a chance to talk to you. Best wishes for an even better 2024 than 2023. And if you ever want to talk about books again, you know where to find me. Okay. <laughs> I do. Thanks so much, Bonner. This has been a lot of fun. Thank you.